Hey! This is JJ and Alex. I made a name for myself, I told you I won't be denied. As you wrap up your day, it's time to get your fix of the teams you live for and the sports you love. This is JJ and Alex, presented by G2G Bars on 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. Hey there, happy Tuesday. Thanks for joining us. Another edition of JJ and Alex. Got a lot to get to today. Uh, Alex not with us today. Alex Curie is out once again. He will be back tomorrow. Filling his tiny shoes is some much bigger shoes. Stevenson Sylvester. Former Ute legend, former Steeler, KSL Sports Live legend. I've, I've reached legendary status. Yeah, you're a legend. Yeah, we're going to put a little <laughs> plaque on the wall. Sly, thanks for joining us today. Of course, buddy. Thanks Thank for you. doing this. So, we've done probably close to 100 high school games together, yeah. which is a blast. We've done countless KSL Sports Live segments over several years. This is the first time we're doing radio together, other than you having to be call, guess, calling uh, in or. Uh, That's right. Me and you hosting an entire radio show. Let's make it happen. Let's do it. I can't (laughs) wait for this. It's going to be a short show today. We must tell you that the uh, Jazz are on the road. They play the Atlanta Hawks tonight. The East Coast road trip uh, kicks off. And pregame will start at 4.30 with Tim Lacombe and Jake Scott, as always. We'll take you right up to the pregame show here on JJ and Alex, Jeremiah Jensen and Stevenson Sylvester. And you know what's sly in the house. We're going to do a lot of Utah talk today. We're going to get into Utah spring football, which is coming up. We're going to announce when that starts and when the 22 forever game, also known as a spring game, will take place. Let's get right to it. It's all Utah football on the cut. It's time for the biggest story of the day. This is what made the cut with JJ and Alex on 97.5 the KSL Sports Zone. I don't know how excited you are about spring football, but it's better than no football, right? And we have something to look forward to here shortly as Utah football will kick off spring practices coming up on March 12th. That officially announced today with the forever, the 22 forever game will take place on April 13th. So a square month, four weeks of spring football. And this is a big year for the Utes. Slide going into the Big 12. It's a transition. It's not the same transition going from Group of Five to Power Five, but changing conferences is going to be a transition. So much on the line this year with so many players back. The feeling, the consensus is that the Utes will be a Big 12 favorite, either them or Kansas State most likely. That's a lot of pressure on the program, but you got a lot of guys that have been through this before. So I think the not only are the expectations high, but the confidence with that, with that group is sky high. You, you're, you're around the team. You're around the program. You get a sense for that. What is your sense overall as they prepare to go into spring football? Even before that, I think if you were ever to make a huge change in something, is this not what you would want going in? Mm. A veteran team, as you said, a lot of guys coming back. And you have a coaching staff that's pretty much been through a conference change before. Right, The majority of this staff went through the Mountain West, the Pac-12 change. They understand what it takes going in. That is something that they're not like, oh, I don't know what's going to happen. That's what you would want when you have such a monumental change. You got a a veteran coaching staff. I was just talking to uh, Greg Argus, and um, I didn't even realize this is his 21st season. He came in in the 2004 year. I'm like, you've been here that long? Mm. Right. And he's like, this is like uh, every day for him. He loves it here. Right. And uh, so you got guys who's been here. Right. And experience. That's the best teacher in any sport, any business, anything you go into is experience. And the Utah coaching staff has experience in, in the strength staff, in the coaching staff. And now even in the players, we got guys because of COVID year going into their seventh and eighth years. Right. We got return missionaries. We got veteran adults, mature guys in this football program going to lead this football team into the next year. That's huge. And so for me, yeah, I think that is the biggest part that I pay attention to, even being around the football facility, being around these coaches, being around these players now, is that confidence, that airy confidence um, in knowing that I know what to do going into this uh, new conference. 
What changes with preparation? You know, you, the Pac-12 is obviously a different vibe, different team, different programs. Does it change much though? When you're, it's different teams, different schools, different styles. Just how much difficult? How much more different is it preparing for a different group of schools, or is it really the same process? No, I was actually talking to uh, Lou Powell. You know, kind of about yeah. this, right? And um, it's just different teams from the Oregon teams, the Washington teams that you face, to now going against the Oklahoma States, the Texas Techs, the the the, the Texas Christian Universities. Yeah. Um, it's a little different in that, but any great player from Michael Jordan. Phil Jackson, um, Kobe, all these guys would say, if you prepare differently um, for this game than another game, you've already lost, right? So as far as how they get ready for a game, their uh, their nuances, those are all the same. The things that differ is maybe we have a different weight goals, right? Our linebackers yeah. go from uh, we want them to average 230 pounds to now I want them to be 235, 238, right? Those little things change, right? And then uh, the things that you practice, the technical things that you practice, right? You know, are we more I-formation type teams under center court? quarterbacks are we going to be facing those are the little things that you that you change but as far as the mental preparation the 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 film study the the the, the intangibles that uh, go into each game that'll that'll uh, permit success for you right those things are all the same so no there's not a lot that changes but there are fine things that that you do change before we get into position battles and 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 we'll go through all the different positions and what to look for in spring with those positions what are the reasonable expectations? Are, am, you know, I get I have a chance and, and to get on here every day. We talk about Utah, and I, I just feel like this team is built for winning a championship right. in this league in this first year. There's just too much experience on this team with rising Keithy coming back. That not winning a Big Twelve championship would be a massive disappointment. Not making the pack the 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 playoff this year with the new twelve team playoff would be a massive disappointment because of what you know about the guys coming back. Is that too much? Are we putting too much expectations on this team? Um, I'm trying to define how I say no here. Okay. <laughs> uh, um, no, because okay. one, these players should have that onus on themselves. They should be expecting this from themselves. So what we're saying should be nothing different than what they're saying to themselves in that locker room. So no, in in that sense, this is not a high um, uh, uh, ask. It's yeah. not a crazy ask for these guys because Coach Whittingham, I know for a fact, that's what he's telling these guys. This is our mission. This is our goal. We win the conference, but we do it right. We got to do it game by game. You know, we can't look at the thirteenth, fourteenth game here at week one. We got to look at SUU first. We got to look at Baylor. We got to look at Utah State. We take it week by week, and we handle business, and we'll be where we want to be ultimately, right? But you know, these lofty expectations, these lofty goals, should be on Cam Rising's uh, locker head, right? He should be looking at these every day as as if they're affirmations. Right, he should Brand Keithy, you know, uh, uh, Junior Tafuna, Samote Peppa, Lander Barton. They should have these expectations already within themselves. So what we're saying should mean nothing to them. But I, I that's why I say I was like, no, these are the way this schedule. I was tell, talking to Jeremy before we started this, and I'm like, it, there's a lot of factors that go into a team and your decisions and and and, and thinking that you're going to win or lose each game, and just the way this schedule is lined out for us. You know, got some good warm-up games to get our feet underneath us before we start really crazy games as far as, like, starting with SUU, Baylor, Utah State. Then we jump right into Oklahoma State, you know, Arizona. Those are those are great games that we've got warm-up games before them, so we understand our chemistry. We understand how to go. There's not going to be much that we put out on tape that Oklahoma State's going to be like, I know what Utah's going to do. Yeah. And so, like, I just think the schedule is aligned for our success and so, yes, I do think if we're not in that championship game or in the playoffs, you know, uh, come December, January, I think it's a huge miss for this Utah program. Who stands in their way? I know you're. We, it's look, the Big Twelve is all new to us. Right. Uh, we covering BYU. We had a chance to analyze their games and some of their opponents. They didn't play everybody. They didn't play Kansas State last year, who's one of the teams we mentioned at the top of the Big Twelve this year. Who, as you look around the league. And you're still trying to feel this out. This is maybe a little way too early. 
But who do you think are the one or two or three teams that stand in Utah's way next year? I mean, the number one team is Utah. Utah stands in Utah's way. Okay. Right? You know, we got to prepare the right way. You got veteran guys. You you went out and got the top receiver in the Pac-12 with Dorian Singer. Right? You've expanded your offensive prowess, you know, this offseason. Right? And you, you really didn't do much outside of that. Like, you didn't do much as you're playing, and you've elevated your roster, your personnel, yeah. your possibility here. You've you've increased your depth with Money Parks and 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 bring, bringing Baron Keithy back. Right now, with Carson Ryan attached to that, you've increased what you can do, your possibilities. And so, like, I think Utah number one stands in Utah's way. Outside of that, you know, you got to go with Oklahoma State, right? Oklahoma State did a terrific job last year in keeping up with Oklahoma and Texas in the conference and um, gotten getting the Doug Walker winner in, in, in Gordon out there. Um, but, like, ultimately, we stand in our own way. Then I believe, you know, Oklahoma State and Kansas State. Um, yeah. But I, I just think those other schools are very inconsistent. You know, they might have a week where they look great, and then the very next week they look like crap. There's not a consistent team in the Big 12 that I can say would stand in the way of Utah. I agree with that, and that's why I see this as a big opportunity for Utah, because Utah has been that consistent yes. program. Yes, very much Last so. year, obviously, the injuries derailed them, but they still won eight games in a, in a down year. That's pretty darn good. Yeah. In a, a banner year for the Pac-12. They've been consistent. They've been a top 25 program where all these schools that are left over from the, the past Big 12 have been up and down all over the place. Kansas State's the team with their head coach, Chris Kleiman, who's you talk to people around the country. I mean, we're, he's talk, we're, he's mentioned among being one of the top 10 coaches in the, in the country, and for good reason. You've seen what Kansas State has done with him there. You saw what he did at North Dakota State building that FCS program into a power, which, you know, <laughs> that's, that's a great story in and of itself. He knows how to win. He's won at different levels. And I think that's the biggest threat is Kansas State, and I'll throw Oklahoma State in there as well. Um, Vegas is underrating Oklahoma State. We talked about that yesterday. <laughs> but Oklahoma State's going to be pretty darn good. They know how to win. Gundy knows how to win. But that's absolutely the truth, Sly, is it's wide open, is there's not this dominant, there's not Texas and Oklahoma anymore. This It feels like a new conference. Yeah. Because it is really wide open in that sense. And it may not be as wide open as we think. Let's see what Utah is. Let's see how they develop. Let's see how healthy they stay. If they are what we think they are, they're the leader of the pack. But I would say overall, this is a wide open conference because everything is new and everything is unfamiliar. It's going to be really fascinating to watch this season play out with so many new teams in the conference. Even some of these new teams from last year, BYU, Cincinnati, Houston and UCF haven't played everybody yet. Right. So there's still such a newness around this con- about around this conference that is still playing out this season. And then you add Utah, Colorado, which is bringing a very fascinating dynamic with Coach Prime and Shadur Sanders. And we know what Arizona was last year. And even though they have a new head coach, they're bringing a great vibe and they're bringing a confidence and they're bringing a little swagger. Noah Fafita is a very confident kid right now. Right. The teams in the conference are going to have to knock him off that pedestal a bit. They're going to have to humble him a bit because he th- he thinks he can do anything in this in the, in college football because he did it as a freshman, right? So it's going to be really interesting to see these new teams come in. Uh, let's get into some of these position groups. What you expect? I mean, Cam Rising and, and Brent Keithy are obvious ones. I want to start with guys that are leaving and how the Utes are going to replace them. Let's look at the defensive backfield. I think that's a big question mark. Not necessarily because they don't have the talent to fill it, but you're losing essentially all-American performers in Cole Bishop and Sony Vaki who are going to the NFL. They're going to be at the Combine. We'll talk about that in the next segment. How do they replace those guys in the back? Yeah, I mean, well, and I was wondering that too, right? But I, I took some time. Um, luckily, I was able to to get in with the recruiting staff and and find out exactly what are you guys doing? What are you guys planning, you know, to fulfill those roles? We saw a little bit in the bowl game. I, I'm just like, yo, 
we're all right. Even Jonah Hall, right? You know, okay. we, we didn't really hear anything about him. He played extremely well, but that position right now is up for grabs, right? And and so uh, Coach Witt, if I know him from back in the day when I played for him, he loves competition. Mm-hmm. He brings the best out of everybody around him because they want that spot, right? It's not guaranteed. So they're going to make sure the job is done right. They're going to communicate because if that corner messes up and makes him look bad, that's not allowing him to be the best he can be. So he's going to want everybody around him to be better. That's why he likes competition. And so it brings out the best in everybody. So I think that, you know, this safety position is going to be huge as far as um, uh, the the – the competition battle goes in because you got Teo Johnson, who's I, I actually talked to him. They're, his natural position is the post safety, okay, and so that's why he was able to rotate from the nickel to the post with Sione and Cole Bishop. They were able to do that so seamlessly because Sione and, and Cole could play down around the line of scrimmage, play that nickel position so easy. And so you know Teo's going to be also in that safety that that role this year. But these guys have done a terrific job of recruiting. I'm telling you, these um, these new guys they got coming in from um, on the on the outside they got Kenan Johnson you know from uh, Georgia Tech uh, transfer he's going to be great uh, but Sammy Hunter you know coming in from Arizona they got a lot of young guys that play smart as well um, but Aliki Gilman right yep. um, he, he's coming in from, from Stanford, Stanford yeah. right and I'm, and I'm like what do you guys like about him so much why do you why does he intrigue you you know Stanford didn't have such a successful program but we're getting guys like Devontae DeMooney from over there that's coming in and, and doing great things from him what are you seeing from Aliki Gilman and they're just like this guy is smart He's already got the body for it, but he's smart. He puts himself in position, and he's a go-getter. He's not afraid to hit, which is what you need to do in this safety system. So he's going to come in and make some really big noise. Um, but they really love this kid, uh, Jelani Davis, out of Modern Day High School. Mm. He's going to make some serious noise um, coming into this um, training camp. You know, he's already smart. He's came here. He came on his official visit, but he came here multiple times on his own just to do research on Utah. So they're just like, this kid is very invested. And so we love him. He's actually smart. He knows all the system. When you watch his high school film, he does all the things that we do in this Utah program already. You know, from reading, from transferring guys, understanding multiple calls within a defense. He's going to be a guy that you're going to be really excited for playing in this defense. You know, uh, uh, Tao Johnson was a young guy in this defense. He said Jelani Davis and Smith Snowden playing in that interior part. They're going to be absolutely awesome. We've seen it with, um, oh gosh, Colts. um, Oh, Julian Blackman. Julian Blackman. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Gosh, I don't I know why. I that right out of the gate. Julian Blackman, right? He was a corner, yeah. converted to safety, and now he's an NFL safety, right? right. We're going to see some of these guys who are corners also be able to convert to the safety position, i.e. Smith Snowden. They yeah. feel like he can play that hybrid route where he can do both because they like playing him on the inside, but he can also play on the back end. So we just got a lot of athletic players, but that is something that definitely we're paying attention to in spring ball and in training camp. Utes are stacked at linebacker, defensive line, nothing really new there. Most of the guys up front and in that middle are coming back, so that's exciting for Utah. Let's flip sides. Let's go to the offense. And another position group I think is interesting is running back. Jaquinnon Jackson is gone. Makai Bernard's back, but Makai Bernard's not that guy you're going to give the ball to 30 times a game. He's, He's not your first down back. Exactly. Yeah. Who is going to be that guy? Man, and, um, I think that's going to be another battle, right? You yes. know, uh, uh, Quinton Ganther absolutely loves the fact that, you know, we actually have a lot of running backs in the system right now, and they're going to find themselves out here in in, in, in training and uh, spring ball. Because people got to look at it like, people look at spring ball like, oh, it's whatever. You know, um, I, if I mess up in spring, then, you know, I still have training cap. No, you don't. Yeah. If you spring ball allows you to get in opportunities in training camp, because if you don't do good in spring, you're not getting the reps to be good in training camp. Right. So you have to do good in spring now. So he's very excited right now. They've got, uh, you know, Jalen Glover. You know, I think he's kind of leading the pack. He's got going to get the first, um, you know, uh opportunities to yep. be that number one guy and then you got Makai Bernard of course a savvy veteran but uh, another guy that they actually really like that you're going to see a lot this spring is Mike Mitchell you know mm-hmm. he's got the body but more so listening to Quinton Gather he's got the feet and 
Coach Ganther is he's he's a technical guy. So if you do those things right, they translate to other things. It's kind of his mindset. And my, this guy Mike Mitchell is actually really really good at his technique and the way he runs the ball is great, man. And and so he's gonna hit that downhill. Um, he's gonna hit that downhill gap and get to that second level like we loved with Zach Moss and Tavion Thomas. He's that type of potential of a running back. So you're gonna see a lot of things from him in the spring and in in uh, coming into training camp. So I'm very very hyped about that but uh more so when i sat down with the recruiting department anthony woods they're just like this kid is he's a hammer mm. loves contact does not shy away from contact you know when running backs get along the sideline yeah and they run out he doesn't he just <laughs> he literally goes at the defender if i'm going out of bounds you're gonna make me go out of bounds it's his mm. mentality and so they absolutely love that so seeing him here in training camp and, and spring ball in training camp is going to be absolutely awesome with him as well so if one or multiple of those guys step up they'll right. be fine at running back wide receiver look we, I mean, we, we don't, we're not going to break down Cam Rising and Brant Keithy. You know who those guys are. We know what they bring. They should be healthy 100% back to who they were. Let's assume that. But they got it. You know, Cam's got to have more than just Brant Keithy. There's got to be some other receivers that play a big role. Do they have enough in house to get that done? Do you think they've got guys that can kind of break that passing game open and help Cam get even bigger passing numbers this season than he's had in the past? You know what? It's 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 really funny how we have to go about this, right? Because it's like you don't truly know what we're going to do on offense. Because we had a lot of success a few years ago when we went that three tight end system, right? We went the three tight end system. We could ultimately go four tight end system. We now have Carson Ryan who's very flexible. Yeah. You know, we have uh Brant Keithy coming back who's a hybrid receiver. Uh, tight end. You got Manir McLean, who's now converted fully over to a receiver. He's absolutely great. Uh, Landon King, who showed a lot of promise. Mm. Big body. They absolutely love him. Uh, great coachable kid. They just got to put some weight on him, which you're going to do this offseason. That is the plan. And um, he's going to be a dynamic force to be reckoned with in this offense, too. That's the tight end room. Right. Yeah. So you can flex those guys out to be receivers or you can shift them down to do the running attack. And that's going to be something that the Big 12 is not going to be ready for. And so it's like, what does Andy Ludwig want to do? So on the outside, we now have Dorian Singer. We now have Tayshawn Lyons. We now have Money Park still. Right. Maneer McLean, we've seen how great he can be. And so I'm just like, we can do a lot offensively. It's all dependent on how does Andy Ludwig want to do it. You could throw Makai Bernard in there and that's your fifth receiver now. Yeah. He can convert the running back too. So the flexibility of this offense, the versatility of what we can do, the different sets from 13 personnel, 12 personnel, to, to even 10 personnel when we go four receivers, right? You know, uh, this young kid, David Washington, he's going to be good. He's out of Vegas, but he's got the body. He's, the way he runs his routes is like Colin Sexton <laughs> in basketball extremely ferocious young bull young bull okay. and that's the way David Washington kind of runs his routes and he's getting out there and so absolutely love that kid you know on the outside being a young guy that could potentially contribute here you know come training camp but this offense is sky's the limit on what you want to do from who you want to give the ball to we've got to get to a break but real quick wrap up this segment I feel like the most important thing and and perhaps the biggest question mark for me is the offensive line do they have the horses in spring and into fall to complement everything we just talked about and help this all come together? Without them being great, they will not reach their goals. That is what I do not know. Not confident mm. on our offensive line yet. And and so, it, you know, that could come at any point. We have Which another, is why spring is so valuable. So important. And so for me, that's the main position that I'm paying attention to. Mm. Right, you're only going to get a couple plays here. It's going to be very, very uh, vanilla on the offensive side of the ball. You know, they're building chemistry. Um, I'll be surprised if they put the whole playbook in in the spring. You know, because it's very deep. But you know, most importantly, it's this offensive set. How can these offensive line run block? How can they pass block? Are they intelligent enough to get all this stuff together? Those are the things that are my question marks going in the into uh, spring ball and even into training camp. Is are we going to be put together? Because our defense is going to be stout. You're going to yeah. face one of the best defenses in the conference every single day at practice. And if they can pick up our defense and handle that, or if they're not handling it at all, that's going to be hard to tell. So many questions. There's a lot of answers. Can't wait to see it all play out, especially here in spring football as it gets underway. Me and Sly will break down the NFL Combine and the locals that will be participating. 
Who has the most at stake? We'll try to answer that question and more coming up next on 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. Ladies and gentlemen, you're locked into JJ and Alex. With the insight and analysis on the teams you can't live without. Presented by G2G Bars. This is 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. Hey, all you Def Leppard fans out there, you can catch Def Leppard on the Summer Stadium Tour 2024 as they make a stop at Utah First Credit Union Amphitheater on September 10th. Get your tickets now at LiveNation.com or listen to The Zone all day on Thursday, February 29th. Yes, it is a leap year for your chance to win tickets. Who's going to win at the NFL Combine? That is the question that we hope to answer this week. Several players from Utah, both BYU and Utah, are involved. Three for BYU, six for the Utes. Let's dig in here a little bit, both on these players from BYU and Utah, some of the other big names, some of the big storylines with the NFL Combine. And I also want to dig into your own experience with the NFL Combine. So I'm sure it's changed since you were there, what, 13, 14 years ago? What year was your uh, draft year? 2010? 2010, yeah. So it's been 14 years. You're getting old. Don't tell me. I tell myself every day well, when I get out of bed, like, Ugh. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> Join a club. But it's, I don't know, how, how much has it changed? And what was your overall experience like? What What is it like going into the situation where you're running around in your underwear, doing all these weird things, people staring at you, making judgments about you, I don't think we stop and think just how incredibly nerve-wracking that whole process must be. It, what is it like? It's absolutely insane, exactly what you're saying. It's just it's a very unusually uncomfortable type of deal. But you know what was going through my mind was like I'm not the only person that this is happening to. Yeah. This is everybody, right? All the grades before me um, literally had to do the same thing. So that kind of settles my mind a little bit, but it, it, there is no substitute to try to even practice what you're going to go through there, right? You got essentially 300 athletes that are at this hotel rotating in everything. Everything is like clockwork. Everything is scheduled between your meeting times with coaches, between the times you eat, between the times you go to medical, between the times you um, you, you do interviews. Um, it's all over the place and scheduled and, and everything is just so military for those three days, three or four days that you're there. It's absolutely crazy. Um, so it's just better that you don't think about it. Just do it right. Your schedule's set. You're going to be good. Just uh, answer when run requested and um, just do what you can to, to essentially, you know, get drafted where you are. But uh, it's just a, it's nothing that you can prepare for. You know, if, if there's there's nothing that you can stage to being like, it's going to be like this, there's, it's not right. You don't have no the, the, the stuff you guys see on camera is not everything that happens. Right. And, and it goes from midnight. Right. When you're supposed to be getting sleep, they could pop up and be like, yo, coach wants to talk to you. It's 1130 p.m. right before midnight. I was you got to get up uh, and they scheduled an X-ray or uh, an MRI for you at 5 a.m. My, my MRI that I got scheduled was at 530 a.m. Wow. So I had to get up, find out where the heck this <laughs> mobile MRI machine thing was. It was some crazy deal. And I had to go to that and I had to be there. And, you know, you don't want to be late. Yeah. Nobody's going to be late to anything because they, they're they uh-huh. they're writing everything down. Everything's notes. And so, like, it's just a four days of something that you can't prepare for. But just like, look, I got to do this and make it happen. Well, you look at the combine now and some of the head coaches aren't even going to be there. The top players aren't even fully performing. Is the combine still provide what what it needs to to the NFL? Is it overrated? How important is it, and what is the most important part of the combine? Um, it's kind of my outlook on life, right? It's a window of opportunity. Okay. Right. And and so, yes, you know, a lot of the star guys aren't participating. There's a lot of uh, coaches who aren't going. I don't think it's one of those like NBA all star type of vibes, you know, where people aren't playing, people aren't participating. So it's losing its fervor. Right. I think that 
you know, it's a window of opportunity for you to see somebody else that you, you're, it's a window of opportunity for you to find your puka nakua. Right. Right. That's a good point. And so that's why I don't think that it has the same deal as those other entities. But like for me, it's it's time for guys like Sione Vake, who's a, a literal technical um, guru in all this. You talk to the strength staff, Sione Vake lifts with the D lineman. He can squat with the D lineman lift. He can bench with wow. the D lineman lift. And he puts up numbers that'll just jump off the charts. So guys like that shine at this. And you want to take an opportunity to get on more people's boards, to get in more fans' mouths, to get on more people's uh, Twitter boards, whatever it is. You want that opportunity. It is a window of opportunity for you. Um, If you're Marvin Harrison Jr., if you're uh, um, uh, uh, Jaden Daniels or somebody who's already got a name, um, not so much, right? Right? People are already talking your about you. Your top three pick, yeah. Right, but like your, your fate is sealed. Exactly. But these other guys, it's yeah. a time to shine. Yeah. And with all these top guys participating, more and more opportunities for younger guys who to get an opportunity to shine. And ultimately, if all these guys are not participating because it's not a clear, uh, clear cut edge that you got it made. Um, they could drop down and you could push yourself up. I mean, it's not going to be dramatic where you're jumping up four or five rounds or nothing like that, but you do get seen. There's so many undrafted guys or low-round guys like a Brock Purdy who ends up making a name for themselves because they have better work ethic than those uh, first or second-round draft pick guys. So it's just a window of opportunity for you to actually you know, um, make a name for yourself. Let's dig into the names here. Let's start with Utah. Let's go through this real quick. Devon Vele, uh, Satawa Laumea, Cole Bishop, Sione Vaki, Keaton Bills, and Jonah Ellis will be there from Utah. Let's start with the Utes players here. Um, we won't dig into each individual. We all know who they are. We know what they bring. I want to ask you, who has the most to gain? Who has the most to lose at the combine? Um, I, there's a lot of guys, right? One, um, the most to lose would be Jonah Ellis if he's not healthy, mm. right? Jonah Ellis is high on a lot of guys' boards right yeah. now. I'd say he's about a second-round uh, pick, late second-round, third Could round. Could be the first you'd off the board. Right, and, and um, if he's not healthy and and not totally showing, which he doesn't have to do all the events, but like if he's not going to be a top tier, he has probably the most to lose at that point, I would say. Um, but the I think, you know, just from the body type of Sione Vaki, what he was able to do at the mm. Senior Bowl, I think he, he could freaking just, as I said, get in the opportunity to get in more people's mouths. Everybody's talking about him, but nobody really seen a lot from the Senior Bowl and this and that. He this These little drills that he could do, if they see him do offensive drills then come back the next day and do defensive drills, he's in people's viewpoints at multiple days. So he could gain a lot from being on air, and he could be the next trend, right? The trend is the Debo Samuels, the multi-positional athlete that can do multi-things on you, from from kick return to special teams, the old Cordero Patterson, the the Devin Hester's, you know, um, that could be Sione Vaki, but Sione Vaki adds another thing to him. He plays defense. Yeah. So he can be your Taysom Hill, your, your, your punt protector who's running down on punt. Right, and he can also get the ball and run for your first down on that. He can also do special plays on offense, but also come in on defense and play nickel. You know how many times a, a team would look at that and was like, "Okay, I can go uh, invest in another defensive end that can rush the passer because I got Sione Vaki who could play both nickel and running back." Mm. Right, I, I'm settling two positions with Sione Vaki, so I can spend more money at my defensive end position or at my linebacker position. Do you think the NFL, whoever takes him, will want to use him in the same manner Utah did to take advantage of that versatility? Yeah, I, I say that because there's a new trend. I feel like every couple years going with the NFL, right? It's it's now the extremely versatile tight ends. Yeah, right. You're all these Dallas Goddards, you know Dalton Schultz, Dalton Kincaid, um, you know Kelsey Kittle. These tight ends. Are, are what it is. You can flex them out. You can flex them in. You can use them in different. I think the versatile player right now is, is going to be the new trend, mm. right? How many guys that Travis Hunters can can do Taysom multiple Hills, things? Right. Taysom Hills that can do multiple things in your offense. And you're getting all these savants like uh, like uh, Shanahan's, the Reeds, the uh, guys who can deal with these McDaniel. with these type yep. of uh, of of players. And I I just think he's a valuable asset wherever he'll go. 
Well, that's a big crop of Utes that are going to be there. Cole Bishop's another name I think that could go with second, third, fourth round. We'll see how the offensive linemen perform, Laumea and Bills. Uh, but that's a good group of Utes. Let's dig into the BYU Cougars real quick. Ryan Rico, a punter. I mean, one of two punters to be invited. That's pretty cool. Has a chance to get drafted. If the team's going to take a punter, he's probably the second punter off the board. Keaton Slovis got an invite, but I really want to get into Kingsley Suamataia with you. Mm. We covered him in high school. We covered him at Orem High School. and We knew he was a special talent there, playing with Noah Sewell, and it's played out exactly as, as you thought it would. The I think the question, though, is how much are NFL scouts going to be concerned? Because he's going to blow them away, I think, at the Combine. Would you agree? With his physical ability, his athleticism, what he can do, he should he should do really well at the combine. How much are they going to be concerned? How many questions are they going to ask about underperforming as as in his last year at BYU? The offensive line problems overall, and specifically him at BYU. I think you know this now goes to, and it's a great thing that Mike Tomlin said this last offseason. He's like, coaches are afraid to coach, mm. right? It's like you can't look at a guy and say like, oh, he he has no hands, and so now you drop him on your board. No, teach him hands. Yeah, right. What's good about Kingsley is he's young, mm-hmm. right? We've talked about him, but he has all the physical attributes that you want. Extremely athletic, right? He's big, three six six, three twenty five, three thirty, and and can move. Right? When you guys watch him run the forty this 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 week. Psh- Pay attention to that. He gets it done, right? Yep. And so those things are what you can't coach. But you can teach him hands. You can teach him coordination. And so all of those things with the BYU faults, you know, is that something with the BYU team, right, that 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 just wasn't working out well? Coaching, right? If he's in a better environment, better coaching environment, can he be better? So, one, he has the intangibles to be a very athletic, huge, and productive offensive lineman. Can we coach him into the right system? So it's all it's all about what team says him as like sees him as, oh, this is our guy, and, and he's high up on a lot of um, um, draft boards. And so he, he, uh, honestly, what Kuiper had him in the first round, yeah. And so um, I think that that's the same thing. I think he's going to be a first second round draft pick and uh, make it happen simply because he has all the attributes to be a great tight end or great lineman. Yeah, you and I talk about this all the time. We've had many conversations about this where it doesn't matter how high you're picked. It matters where you're picked. Yes. And I think that Kingsley's going to be another example of this. If he goes to the right organization, he'll thrive. If he goes to the wrong organization, it could go the other way. I think that's going to matter a lot with him because we saw at BYU, obviously they made a change at the offensive line coaching position. I think that a lot of stuff down there was was going on with that line where yeah. coach-related, unfortunately. And I think that in the right system with the right coaches and the right culture Kingsley could thrive no question as we said like and Mike Tomlin said this right and it yes. was it, and it, it maybe was the Steelers are that culture that he needs I don't know I don't know who their O-line or coach is now yeah but like if he goes to a good team that runs the football well he goes to a nice organization like the Houston Texans and and, and they're just all young over there yep. but they're all hungry that could change the tide so yep. right situation, I think he's going to thrive, and I think a lot of people will recognize that. I think he has Penesul potential. Oh, that's 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 huge. That is huge, and that's 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 why I think he's so the spotlight's on him so much because people know that 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 potential's there. Oregon knew that potential was there. Mm-hmm. They had Penesul. They tried to get him here, and he was there for a bit. BYU got him. I think people see that potential in him. Now it's up to him to realize that, and he's going to need the culture and the right people around him to help him do that. Look forward to the NFL Combine this week. A lot of the uh, actual uh, broadcasted workout parts start on Thursday. The Combine's already underway in Indianapolis. We'll keep you posted on that. We'll have a lot of coverage of that on KSL Sports Live this weekend of all these local players, all nine participating in the combine we have to take a short break when we come back would you rather uh we got some good ones for you there and plus we got the jazz uh hawks primer coming up for you as well at the top of the hour you're listening to jj and alex 97.5 the ksl sports zone everybody real life hypotheticals to get your brain churning as jj and alex ask would you rather JJ on Alex continues with Would You Rather? But first, we want to ask you to nominate the youth sports volunteer that you know for the Hercules Hero of the Week. Submit your nomination at kslsports.com 
slash contest and listen every Thursday afternoon to JJ and Alex for the winner. Help us celebrate the efforts of those volunteers making an impact with the Hercules Hero of the Week, sponsored by Hercules Credit Union. It could be a soccer coach, basketball coach, baseball, anything with youth sports from uh, the smallest levels, like three-year-olds all the way to the high school level, and referees too. We want to we give shout-outs to all those referees out there that we cannot have these sports and these activities without them. So please nominate somebody. We want to give some love to all those who help make youth sports possible. All right, Sly, real quick, would you rather... We've got some good ones here. I want to throw this out there because we've got some big games tonight. BYU's at Kansas. Utah State's at Fresno State, two teams that are probably headed to the uh, NCAA tournament. In fact, I would call them locks at this point. Would you rather win the conference tournament championship or win just one first-round NCAA tournament game? <laughs> uh, can I raise a banner for my first-round win? In you the- can do whatever you want. <laughs> no, I, I definitely take a conference title. Right? Interesting. Yeah, because yeah, I'm just like, you look at that and you're like, Okay, you you won one game. That's it. As far as the conference titles, like I beat everybody in that conference. So I would rather have a conference title over uh, NCAA uh, first round uh, win. Here's the problem: How do we judge successful college basketball teams? Yeah, because that's true, right? I was thinking about how this do you too, judge them, right? Because it's what do you like, talk about? I have a I have an incredible season, right? I'm leading yep. the conference. I'm the number one uh, team, yada yada yada. But I lose in the conference championship game, so I don't get the conference title, or whatever. But I do make it. I'm a, I'm I'm one or two seed in the NCAA tournament. But then again, I lose again in the NCAA tournament. Is that a great team, or just I just had a, a couple of bad games? Right. And so, like, yeah, it's 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 very hard. I to think I'll, I'll throw this around the fan bases. BYU uh, 2011 did not win the conference championship with Jimmer Fredette. Mm-hmm. What did they do, though? They went to the Sweet 16. Right. They did win that. Now, I didn't say Sweet 16. I said a tournament game. But if you're a BYU fan, would you have rather had that Vegas experience winning a championship or the Sweet 16, Sweet 16. experience? You're going Sweet 16, obviously. Right. Now, I didn't include that. I said one game, but even one game. If you're a Utah State fan, you had those incredible moments with Sam Merrill down in Vegas. Right. But Utah State hasn't won a tournament game since 2001. If you're an Aggie fan, you're like, I want that tournament game. I've had conference championships in, in the tournament. That's fine. That's great. I want that tournament game. Utah, uh, when they when they went to the Final Four, went with the national championship game, if I believe right, they lost in the first round of the, Mount, of the Mountain West tournament. So... Yeah, the tournament is awesome. It's a championship. It is it is great. But winning that NCAA tournament game is so important and that's a legacy deal. Conference tournament championships are fine, but winning an NCAA tournament game is a legacy deal. Winning more than one is as absolutely a legacy deal. So, we'll see if BYU, Utah State, maybe Weber State or, or if, if Utah can get in on that bubble and uh, find a way to get there. We'll see if they can pull that off. One last one here real quick before we have to go. Uh have an NHL and MLB team, but you got to pay for it, or just one of those two that taxpayers don't have to pay for, and the owner foots the bill. Um. Ooh. Um. I would do the owner foot the bill, <laughs> <laughs> foot that bill, and 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 make it NHL. Um, there you go. Uh, yeah, I would definitely have the owner foot that. Sly's bill. not paying those taxes. I'm not. No. Sly's not paying those taxes. No, I don't I, go I, to I, enough hockey or, or baseball games to say that. That's I what love I want. sports so much, and but I'm I'm kind of I'm in the media here, and I cover sports for a living. Right. So I'm just I'm Biased. I'm greedy. <laughs> I want all of you to pay the taxes for these new teams. No, I'm just kidding. MLB and NHL. Uh, would be just awesome to have. We would Utah Salt Lake City would become a three of, of the four major pro sports leagues. No offense to the others; those are seen as the four major pro sports leagues: NHL, NBA, NFL, and NBA. To have three of those four here in Utah, crazy, would just be unbelievable. And uh, Bill moved forward today uh, on the MLB stadium. Uh, in Salt Lake City, obviously the power district with uh, Steve Starks and the and the Larry H. Miller company, they're ready to go, and that's moving forward one step closer to getting pro baseball at the Major League Baseball level here in Utah. All right, we got to take another short break. When we come back, we'll get you ready for Jazz Hawks with the Jazz Daily, a homecoming and a reunion coming up. I'll explain all that. We'll dig into that. Jazz Hawks next, 97.5 DKSL Sports Zone. 
You know what's coming. Your daily deep dive into everything Utah Jazz. It's time. All season long and even in the offseason, it's Jazz Daily with JJ and Alex on your exclusive home of Utah Jazz basketball. 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. Welcome into the four o'clock hour, JJ and Alex. That's right, it's time for the Jazz Daily as the Tesh brothers bring us back in. JJ and Alex brought to you by G2G Bars. With all natural ingredients, no preservatives, and plenty of protein, G2G Bars are perfect for anyone who needs a tasty and nutritious boost. Also, call Trajan Wealth today. If you've got financial questions about your future and you need to get ready for retirement, give them a call. Your local financial fiduciary, 801-899-7600, or visit their website at trajanwealth.com. Also join JJ and Alex Friday, 3 to 6, for the ninth annual Salt Lake Off-Road and Outdoor Expo at the Mountain America Expo Center. Come see us there. We'll have stuff to give away. Check out some cool stuff. Get great deals while getting in some off-road land use. Get your tickets at slowrex.com, S-L-O-R-E-X.com. And this is awesome. Kids 12 and under are free. So bring them on in. All right. Jazz basketball tonight. Jazz taking on the Hawks. Let's dig into this one tonight. A reunion and a return for a Jazz player. This is The Cut. It's time for the biggest story of the day. This is what made the cut with JJ and Alex on 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. Up to the basket, Sohan. Hendricks at the apex, eradicates it. Transition, Clarkson, three ball. Yes, sir. Jazz got a little momentum Sunday at home against Victor Wembanyama and the San Antonio Spurs. The Jazz got the win in that game, and now they get ready to go on the road. That Spurs win on Sunday night, 128-109. Jazz now 27-31 and overall. And you look at the standings, and they're in this weird spot, Sly, where they're not in the play-in. They're not in the playoff picture as of right now. They're three games out of that behind Golden State and the Lakers. But they're also in this spot where if they get 11-14 through 14 at the end of the season, they got to convey that pick to the Oklahoma City Thunder, mm-hmm. or even if they make the play, you know, they, anything below, 11 or below, they would have to convey it. And if they fi- if, uh, if they get a top 10, or they win the lottery, or get in the top three, they would be able to keep that pick. And there's a lot of different, I don't know, opinions on that. But as far as that goes, as far as conveying that pick, being in that bottom 10, tonight is a big game because. The team just below them in the standings overall in the NBA, the 10th worst record in the league, belongs to none other than the Atlanta Hawks, the Jazz opponent tonight. So the Jazz would benefit either way, winning or losing tonight, depending on your perspective. So that's something to watch tonight. That's a storyline. The Jazz keeping that first-round pick, maybe, maybe not. Who knows? We'll see how it all plays out at the end of the season. The team itself is more focused on getting better, developing their young players. And the vets on this team want to win. They're not, gonna, they're not worried about picks. When you were in the NFL, you didn't think about the Steelers draft pick situation. You uh, didn't care. No, not at all. <laughs> you wanted them to trade their picks so it kept your roster spot to you. For sure, for sure. So you can understand that. These vets want to win. They, they don't want to go down there and lose. Ah, there's a lot of money on the line with, with, with winning. You know that you can do every level of the playoffs. You get more and more money, and I'm, I'm sure, which I don't know, in the NBA, there's probably a lot of uh, other stipulations upon uh, the games you play. The the faster you um, make an advance, even with this new play-in scenario, I, I assume that there's um, some kind of financial gain that you can get from all of that. So yeah, I think these guys want to play. I know the the uh, the GMs, the owners, they're like, oh, if we can't get to the Western Conference Finals or the Finals then, you know, uh, let's kind of can and other guys are like, no, let's not. Because one, if you take the draft pick, that means that you're looking to possibly replace me. Mm-hmm. And so I need tape if I'm going to go into free agency and, and be um, of value to another team, you know. And so um, 
I, 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 free agency's never been good, and I don't think any current player looks at the draft as a solution. Exactly. So players, veteran players, have a lot of motivation to go out and and do well, if not for the Jazz, to impress other teams, whether it's via trade or free agency. Uh, Quinn Snyder is now the head coach of the Atlanta Hawks, and it's not going as well as I think everybody would like. Trey Young's hurt now, so Trey Young, their star player, not playing tonight. He had a finger injury, he's had to have surgeries out a month. And so that's hurting the Hawks and their hopes of making the playoffs. And Quinn Snyder took over that job, and it looked like it was an opportunity for Quinn with some low expectations to go in there and and take that team and make a playoff run and try to get the most out of Trey Young. But it's been a little bit of a struggle. And Sly, you look back on Quinn Snyder's time with the Jazz, man, there were some good times. There really were. And Quinn Snyder really helped this franchise grow. And he was part of the development of some of the best players in franchise history, Rudy Gobert Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and Donovan Mitchell. And you also look back at what he did with Gordon Hayward, and nobody wants in this market wants to talk about Gordon Hayward anymore, but uh, he was also played a big role in that and helping Gordon become an all-star player for one season with the Utah Jazz. But then, you know, there were also the playoff failures. And it's interesting how once a coach is gone, you can look back and kind of form your idea of how their time went, um, what their legacy was, how they'll be remembered. Uh, It's complicated with Quinn with the Jazz because there was that development, and he did accomplish a great deal with this franchise. But it's about championships, right? It's about the playoffs. And there was just too much playoff disappointment. There were good moments. In fact, the first two trips under Quinn Snyder, the Jazz made in the playoffs. They won first-round playoff series, but they could never get over that second-round hump. And that's tough when you're evaluating coaches, right? How do you evaluate? You know, you're kind of you're. For full disclosure, Sly is a Laker fan. You're from Vegas, we'll forgive <laughs> yes. you. Okay, so but you do watch jazz games. You have been around here. You have followed the Jazz. You followed Quinn Snyder. Mm-hmm. You also understand professional sports and the demands of coaching and what's expected out of a head coach. As you look back, just your your your. 30,000-foot view of Quinn Snyder's time with the Jazz. What do you remember? What stands out? It was funny. I actually saw a clip, right? It was a what-if scenario. What if Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook, and James Harden stayed together yes. at OKC? I forgot Quinn Snyder was on that on that uh, staff. And and I'm just like, he's been around some good basketball, and, and he knows what he's doing. And, and that development that you're talking about in developing these young guys and understanding what they need to to be that dominant superstar as uh, Donovan Mitchell. As, but I, I mean, for me, Quinn Steiner, I don't think he had the easiest road at Utah, and he made it happen. You know, with that young roster, I think that's right. what one thing I can attest to from the Quinn Snyder days is that, you know, he was able to make young stars or young teams very prominent in, in the leagues. When Quinn Snyder was here, they were always top five that I can remember in the Western Conference. Well, in 2021, they were the number one overall seed. Right. And, but then again, that's that's the problem as you look back in that 2021 team underperformed in the playoffs. You know, it's all about the end result. And when you when you have the best overall record in the NBA and you get to the playoffs and you have a 2-0 lead in a in a conference semifinal and you lose the last four games and you and you blow a 30-point lead on the road in game 6, it, that's how you're remembered. It's it just sucks. It really does. And and this is my really grinds my gears. Yeah. <laughs> with with sports in general, how can a coach be blamed for things like that? Right in the bubble, right? Epic matchup between Jamal Murray and Devon uh, and, and Donovan, Donovan Mitchell, Mitchell yeah. right? Yep. How can Quinn Snyder be blamed for that loss? I mean, they went all the way to seven. It was just epic. It just the Denver Nuggets ended up, you know, just having a little bit more, right? How can Quinn Snyder be blamed when they have? How does Doc Rivers get blamed for having a three-one lead and losing? Right? How do I don't understand that part in basketball in general? When one player can take over and just make some things happen, that I don't think is is I, I don't know how you blame the coach for that. So for me, I look at the whole body of work in a season of what he can do with what he's been given. You know, timeouts, development, as you said. Mm-hmm. As I, I look at that more as a, a coach's promise than kind of the end result, because in sports it's so crazy, right? Like, how do we blame John Harbaugh for not being able to beat Patrick Mahomes? You know, how do we how do we blame you know um, uh, the coach of the Bills for not being able to 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 beat? 
and you know Patrick yeah, Mahomes Sean and all McDermott, that. Yeah. Sean McDermott. You know, I, I think that's extremely hard. At the end, I look at a whole body of work. Can can this team get me in position to either win those opportunities? What did they used to say about Andy Reid? Couldn't win the big game. Couldn't win the big game. Well, I don't think we say that, that anymore. Is do not we? at all. Right. <laughs> but that's the that's the difference, though, Sly. Is I think the coach has to break the narrative. Is you if something happens repeatedly and you're at the head of it and you're in charge of it, ultimately the buck stops with you. And I think with that jazz run and that jazz era, yeah, there was a lot of stuff going on. My goodness, with you know, the whole Donovan Rudy stuff, which was probably overplayed a bit. Yeah. But obviously there were there were things that were happening in whether it was I don't know. I don't really know what, what, what all of it was. But you had a great group of players who would accomplish a lot in the regular season, and it would get to the playoffs, and there were just seemed to be like matchup issues. And at that point, you know, basketball is a game of chess. Mm-hmm. It really is, where you have to make a move, and then the defense counters the move, and eventually you're trying to checkmate and get to the hoop, right? Got to be three steps ahead. Exactly. And that's where I think the issue happened that, that ultimately is the criticism of Quinn as intelligent, one of the great basketball minds I've ever been around, as intelligent as he was, he struggled with the chess game. Yeah, He struggled with the adjustments, and it wasn't because he wasn't capable, it was because he was stubborn. Because I think he believed so strongly in what he did that it was going to work, that changing things and adjusting to things was difficult for him. Adjusting rotations in the playoffs... There you go through, and there was a, there was a reason for like so the 2021 Mike Conley's hamstring goes out in the playoffs. What are you going to do? Right. Donovan Mitchell's playing on one leg. What are you going to do? Right. You know what I mean? Like there's things like that that happen. But their last year, they gave they kept choking fourth quarter leads. That team should have been really good, and they fizzled in the first round. And that was the end of that era. Ultimately, you know that's how that's 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 what happens. You get blamed for those failures. Um, having a, a ten point point lead in a decisive game five against the Denver Nuggets in the bubble, the Jazz were up three one. They had it in the bag and they blew it. One of the few teams that blew a three one lead in the playoff series. So there was those collapses, those things that were very very um, that that are shocking. That really impacted, I think, his um, his perception right. as being one of the, uh, or, you know, even a better coach than perhaps he was. Obviously, I had a great tenure here, but just fell short there. Ty Lue outcoached him in in a playoff series. That's just the truth. I hate I hate that because like it's one of those things where damned if you do, damned if you don't. Yeah. Right. Because if I make a change and that ends up affecting us worse, they'd be like, why the heck did this guy make a change? We were doing so well with this with this, with this game plan, and then he changed it, and, this, and now he doesn't. Why didn't he change? Yeah. Right? And so it's like, I think it, that's the part of the game where where people or, or coaches have to make a decision, and it's 50-50, right? Am I going to make a change or am I not? I think that this is the best way to go about it. This is the most comfortable way with my team, and it just it's never worked out for him. Real quick, let's get to John Collins. Um, Jeremy, we'll play a real quick bite. He's headed back to Atlanta, obviously played the first part of his career with the Atlanta Hawks. He's excited to go back. Colin Sexton also has roots in Atlanta. He's excited to go back. But here, let's hear from John Collins on his return to Atlanta. Outside of just growing here as a man, becoming a man here, I feel like I, I got to say the playoff run, playing meaning, meaningful basketball for the city, being able to win at the highest level. It's really me being focused and locked in tonight. You know, obviously I have a lot of fond memories here and I got a lot of love in this arena, but I, I'm trying to come come to work. I'm trying to trying to do my thing tonight. I, I want to play the best basketball I can and, and put on a show for everybody. Obviously that's going to be an emotional night for John Collins going back to where it all started for him. And he, and he had some great years there with the Atlanta Hawks, he even made it to a conference final in the bubble with the Atlanta Hawks. And uh, that's always different, right? So you didn't really have an experience quite like that where you went to play for a former team or you know against an old team, but uh, you can imagine the emotion that he'll be going through tonight. So special night for him. Jazz and Hawks. Fascinating matchup for all the reasons we mentioned. The Jazz have the toughest schedule in the league now according to Tankathon.com. Second toughest schedule, I should say, in the NBA with their upcoming opponents having a 54.6% winning percentage. Sly, it's been fun. Thanks for coming in today. Uh, we covered a lot of stuff there, and I hope Utah fans really enjoyed those first two segments, uh, dipping into uh, spring football and also the NFL Combine. A lot to look forward to in, in the coming weeks. And uh, you're going to have draft previews on KSL Sports Live coming up soon. Oh, so yeah, man. I'm excited about that. Looking forward to that. You know what's really exciting? We're going to give away tickets. Let's go.
It's a Jazz Ticket Tuesday, and your chance to win Jazz tickets is right now. Be caller number 12 at 801-575-ZONE, and you'll win tickets to see your Utah Jazz at the Delta Center. Presented by UCCU. Love where you bang. That's right. Today is Jazz Ticket Tuesday. The time is now. Be caller number 12 at 801-575-ZONE to win a pair of tickets to the Utah Jazz versus Washington Wizards game at Delta Center on March 4th. Go watch Kyle Kuzma and the Wizards. Again, caller number 12, 801-575-ZONE to win that pair of tickets to the Jazz-Wizards game on March 4th. Our focus tonight, though, is Jazz Hawks. No Trey Young for the Hawks. He's out with a hand injury. He'll be out a month. The Jazz playing the Hawks shorthanded tonight as the Jazz face Quinn Snyder for the first time since Quinn Snyder took over as the Atlanta Hawks head coach. Tim Lacombe and Jake Scott are standing by with your pregame show on the Jazz Radio Network. JJ and Alex, 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone.